At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And this week's episode is brought to you courtesy of, once again, the Alexandria Archives. It is a, well, it's weird to, like, start advertising something at the end of it, right? But, I mean, mm-hmm. we have advertised it before, so it's not like this is a new thing coming from... You all know what the Alexandria Archives is by now, right? This is, like... A little bit repetitive, but you should listen if you haven't already for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that the overarching narrative is coming to an end and you really want to be on board for the finale. It is going to be so much fun. It is such a wild ride. Mm-hmm. Have you read the script? Because I've read the script and it's wild. I have read the script. <laughs> I kind of assumed you had. Now, why would I assume that, Addison? I don't know. Maybe, we, maybe we're in it for just a minute. Maybe we make a cameo. Definitely a possibility. Uh, that tends to happen Maybe a lot, there's though. there's a little cryptid keeper cameo. More than one, I should think. Oh, several. Throughout the entire yeah. life of the show, <laughs> you can find... Yeah, depending on when you jump into the backlog, you will definitely hear our voices more than once. They are very wonderful people who love to give us money. <laughs> mm-hmm. And have given us so much support and so much... And that's just... my favorite thing about them. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. A wonderful team who's given us so much support and so much work over the years. And it's... We just... Can't thank them enough. Yeah, they are absolutely yeah. fantastic. We definitely would not have gotten the head start on podcasting that we did if we had not, at a very early standpoint in our podcasting career, been helped out in a major way by these folks. So definitely, um, if you like supporting really, really fun and whimsical and exciting art made by fun and whimsical and exciting people, you should definitely check it out. I think that part two of the finale just went live like yesterday, which would be what, four days ago by the time this airs? Yeah. Um, so there's one more, like, final, final episode left. And then, uh, who knows? Maybe some cool spinoffs or something. Yeah, who knows? Wink, wink. Um, and Alex- If this were a visual format, you would see me giving you, like, a cheeky little nod, but you can't. So. And Alex, where can people find this amazing show? People can find it at WHAU Signal on Twitter, which has all of the hip deets, everything you could possibly want to know. Or you can go directly to their website, which is A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-I-A Archives, A-R-C-H-I-V-E-S dot com. So it's on Stitcher, it's on Apple Podcasts, yeah, it's on Player FM everywhere, basically. I think it's on Spotify. Um, I think so. You can find it anywhere. <laughs> Literally just Google Alexandria Archives and it will come up. The internet is vast and navigable easily by search engines. Yes. (laughs) Check it out. So that's that. (laughs) What did you bring for us today? Okay, I'm really excited. (laughs) Yeah, I know you are, which is why I didn't want to distract you with witty banter. Thank you. Nothing particularly prompted this. Similarly to when I came in with Bloody Mary, this wasn't prompted by anything specific so much as it was just by me 
really wanting to talk about this and having like had it in my back pocket for many, many, many months of wanting to, and just kind of waiting to slot it in, uh, like a little heads up at the tippy top that just inherently by the nature of what I'm covering today, this episode might go to some spooky, scary places uh, and talk about the nature of fear itself. Because Alex, this week I want to talk about the boogeyman. The boogeyman? Uh-huh. Or the bogeyman, if you're English. Oh, that's fun. There is actually an article I found that I don't want to take too much of a deviation, but there is a really interesting article. Uh, if you look it up, you can find it pretty quickly. If you search boogeyman pronunciation, you can find a, an article that this woman wrote about like the pronunciation differences and kind of different explanations for like how that split happened and some people attribute it to like Humphrey Bogart and like even things like the popularization of like English accents in America or like because boogie became oh, synonymous with like dancing people didn't want to associate it with a scary thing anymore and so it became bogeyman there's like a lot of interesting discourse around where that split happened and why but for the sake of time because I have a lot to get into I'm not gonna really dive into that right now but just for the sake of this episode That's so interesting because it's what I learned as a child i will be saying boogeyman okay great but i know for i know that boogeyman is also an accepted pronunciation just getting that out of the way if you were wondering there is in fact a cryptids wiki page on the boogeyman this page is a candidate for deletion oh there is a note when you go to the page there's a note that's like this page is slated to be deleted well, I am glad you are covering it now while the information is still out exactly. there. Thank you for being a part of the boogeyman revolution. Before the censors could get their hands on it. So I'm not going to linger too long on the cryptids wiki page because it is sort of a much more boiled down version of some stuff I want to get to more in depth. And could disappear at any moment. Yeah, honestly, which is... You better way back machine that ish. I know. Oh my god. But basically, it hits on what you would kind of expect to be said about the boogeyman. If you're not familiar, by the way, the boogeyman is like this classic sort of iconic figure keeping it's a, it's essentially like a tool of keeping children in line going back as far as like potentially medieval times like at the very least in some essences traced back to like the era of Grimm's fairy tales and like people trying to scare their kids straight being like if you don't stay on the path a wolf will eat you if you don't such and such this will happen and if you don't listen to your parents or your elders, then the boogeyman will get you. The boogeyman mm -hmm. is sort of the iconic monster under the bed, the monster in the closet. Like, there is a lot of crossover between boogeyman and, like, shadow people. In a lot of ways, like, it is the essence of childhood fear. It is the monster that little kids grow up afraid of. It sort of seems to be, like, the base template for all sorts of other myths across the world. And I don't mean that in that, like, the boogeyman was the first and then others riffed on it. I just mean that, like, if you take all of the interesting sort of variations on, like, listen to your elders or something horrible will get you, like, the boogeyman is all of those sort of minus any defining qualities. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'll touch on a lot of creatures today in this episode that probably will someday get their own episodes, but I really, really, really wanted to, just like we had previously, like, a Santa Claus episode or things like that. I mm -hmm. wanted to give like a broad look at the whole thing. And also there is a ton of really fun, interesting stuff and a ton of sightings, as you might imagine, with something this ubiquitous. Yeah, definitely. Actually, according to the Cryptids Wiki, and take this with like a pinch of salt because I couldn't find this corroborated anywhere else. But according to the Cryptids Wiki, there's actually a, a creature of Cherokee legend called the Bowger or like Boger oh, that okay. was like a kind of shapeless, shadowy being that haunted the forests and would come out at night and hunt children. 
So that is supposedly a thing. It supposedly made a sound that could only be heard when you were really close. It sounded like a laugh mm-hmm. mixed with the tree branches creaking, and then it would eat you. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very, very creepy. Again, could not find that corroborated anywhere else, so take that with a like fistful of salt, perhaps. But Yeah, fair. I'm going to very quickly jump away from the cryptids wiki, and I'm going to hop over to a more in-depth talk about like potential origins and just kind of an overall look at kind of where this might have started, whether that be the the kind of story and also the word itself. So I'm going to hop over to mythology.net, which has a great kind of in-depth piece by Professor Geller. I don't know if that's an actual professor or if that's a fun, cheeky reference to Ross from Friends or what that is, but by Professor Geller. If it is, I'm going to stop listening immediately. I've never watched Friends and I know I hate Ross. It's spelled differently. It's spelled different from Ross's last name. That's how they get you. (laughs) And this is from July 8th, 2018. And it is mythology.net and just entitled Boogeyman, but spelled B-O-G-E-Y-M-A-N, like bogeyman. I'm going to keep saying boogeyman because (laughs) when I say bogeyman, I feel like I'm putting on like a Victorian orphan accent. It's the bogeyman. Yeah, exactly. And like, mother, latch the door. I fear of the bogeyman. I have fear of the bogeyman. (laughs) He comes for me. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Alice. Mother, please. (laughs) So... According to this particular article, uh, first references can be traced back, like by this specific name or a similar name, can be traced back to the 1500s in Europe. It's thought that the boogeyman initially was a reference for hobgoblins going back into like European folklore. (laughs) So if you're familiar with, which you are, I know, Alex, but if you're a listener as well, familiar with like (laughs) fairy lore um, and like the adjacent kind of stories, hobgoblins are these like mischievous trickster creatures throughout Europe and they range from like lighthearted pranks to like violent action like tormenting people frightening people to death and that is sort of what a lot of this is tied to there's a linguistic overlap there between like old English words for hobgoblin and then like sounding kind of like booga or baga or something Mm -hmm. and then turning slowly over time there's a theory of that kind of just slowly morphing into like boogeyman or bogeyman. But the boogeyman, as you mentioned, has basically a version in pretty much, not pretty much, in any culture you want to look at. There is a creature that parents use to tell their kids like, eat your vegetables or this will happen or like, do this or this will eat you. But um, there's actually... This is, I'm not going to try, I'm going to try to minimize my tangents, but there is, on the TV show 30 Rock, uh, Jack McBrayer's character talks about uh, a boogeyman of his childhood, the hill witch, who is a witch that eats you if you don't eat your vegetables. Oh. And that was like what his parents scared him with when he was a kid, and that's what I was just thinking of, but... I mean, that's so many things, right? Like, that, we have done episodes here that are basically boogeyman variants. Yes. Like, or... Hill Witch variants. You know, I mean, the Yule Lads, oh, yeah. for one. Oh, an example, actually, when you look up, like, when you find listicles, because you know I love a listicle, mm-hmm. that are, like, 15 terrifying boogeymen from around the world, you'll find one of the one of the most frequent appearances is the Kappa, because it's what you use to scare kids away from going in the water alone. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. That's one of the most frequent appearances. And there are some we haven't talked about at all yet that appear that I will touch on briefly. Again, just, like, a little, very quick little amuse-bouche on them, because I want to save in-depth talks about them for future episodes potentially, but, you know, it's going to come up. But through the mythology.net article, they talk about sort of 
the overlapping physical features of boogeymen or bogeymen throughout the world. There's like this idea that they have kind of glowing eyes, like glowing yellow or red eyes that you can see in the dark. There's this idea, Mm -hmm. this recurring image of long, long fingernails that can scratch on your walls or tippy-tappy on your windows. There is uh, they the kind of the general idea is that they look pretty humanoid or like a shadowy kind of figure. Go back to the shadow people episode if you want to get a little bit more of an idea of what I'm talking about there. Then also in the United Kingdom, now this is a fun, this is a fun little thing from uh, from mythology.net. In the UK, it's thought that the boogeyman could have originally been a description of a buggyman-like creature. The buggyman were responsible for picking up the dead. Um, bring out your dead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys? Yeah, they would come around, especially during the Black Plague, with a big cart, and they would say, throw your dead bodies on this big cart. And because of their contact with the dead, they were often very sick, had skeleton-like figures, and sunken in eyes, and would probably look very kind of spindly and long and pale and creepy. Kind of those attributes that every new <laughs> creepypasta writer uses to describe their monsters, like sunken dark eyes. Oh, yeah, definitely. And long, long fingers. Smiles Just too like- wide any sort of Tim Burton protagonist. <laughs> exactly. Now, other boogeymen are said to have no figure or they can shapeshift. They're like a dark cloud or a shadow or they're sort of, they don't really have a corporeal form. I love this subheader here. Uh, the sub, one of the subheaders of this article is personality. <laughs> oh, nice. So the boogeyman is best understood through its motivations. This kind of dives a little more into that. They're primarily fixated on children, but in some countries it suggests they'll seek out anyone who's done something wrong as kind of a general sort of moral arbiter and punisher of wrongdoing. So Who died and made you boogeyman. Yeah, I know, right? Um, they. It seems to be a common theme. They will not attack those who are considered to be good. Or to be abiding by the rules, I should say. There seems there's a lot of conflation in boogeyman stories between following the rules and being inherently good. Wow, so, I can't believe the boogeyman's a cop. I know the boogeyman's a cop, you guys. Uh, so, all, ACAB, all cops are boogeymen. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of variation between like. With a lot of things we talk about that have a lot of different versions, there's a variation between the level of severity of consequence wrought by the creature involved. It kind of goes all the way from it will just show up in your room and be very, very scary and you'll be very, very scared. Or it goes all the way to it will it will hunt you down and eat you alive. I was about to make a horrible joke. Well, it's not a joke. There's nothing funny about the corruption in our police force. No, not really. But no, yeah, it varies all the way from they will show up under your bed and be scary with their creepy long spindly fingers or they'll like scritchy scratch on the door of your closet and give you nightmares or they'll like tear you limb from limb and devour you whole. Um, (laughs) So that's very medieval of them, isn't it? It really is. I mean, they've been around since... Update your strat a little bit, Boogeyman. Well, they've been around since the 1500s. It's 2019. (laughs) So really quickly before I hop over to another article, I want to talk about this particular piece, the mythology.net one, highlights several variations on the Boogeyman from around the world, many of which we've not touched on yet. So again, just going to kind of dip in, dip out. Consider this to be like a chocolate fountain of horrors from around the world, and you get to like just like dip a marshmallow or two in there, and then we have to keep going because everyone else wants to use the chocolate fountain too. So first there is, oh boy, I'm so sorry about my pronunciation of some of these too. So El Coco, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing correctly. 
that is known sort of throughout a lot of uh, like Latin American, Spanish-speaking areas. It's um, also called the Coco Man, C-O-C-O. And this strange beast does not have a specific appearance. It's a shapeshifter that is terrible to look at. And then it's thought to have the power to transform into a thing a child fears the most. What does that sound like? Our Stephen King friend. Yeah. Mr. Pennywise the Dancing Clown, perhaps. Like some sort of horrible Santa Claus, El Coco climbs onto the roofs uh, of houses where naughty children are sleeping and waits for the parrots to go to bed and then sneaks into the room of the naughty child and kidnaps them to eat them. So there's the Babaroga, which is a Croatian boogeyman, uh, or I should say boogeywoman, perhaps, uh, because she is an old woman with horns on top of her head. Oh, that's fun. Who carries a bag that she uses to <laughs> drag children away into her lair, which is usually a cave. So that's a little less fun, but it is interesting to note the Santa Claus connection with bags. Yeah, right? <gasps> Not necessarily with dragging away children. <laughs> um, Turkish Santa Claus begs to differ. Okay, fair. Um, the Tata Duende, um, we talked a little bit about, we talked about the Duende. We did, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, On a previous episode, it's a little, like, goblin creature with backwards feet and missing thumbs, which has and has a fixation on the thumbs of human children. So anyway, also the Namahage is a Japanese demon who preys on children who are disobedient, lazy or prone to crying, which is not that's terrible. Oh, no. All children are prone to crying. It's known to steal crops and disobedient children during the new year. They roam the city streets during the night calling out, are there any crybabies? (laughs) And then I come out of my house and say, yes, hello, take me away, boys. Um, There are several more. I don't want to spend too much time on all the variants because I have more things I'd like to cover. But there's also the black dog we've talked about before is a type of boogeyman. We also have something called the night hag, which is a spirit that's thought to cause sleep paralysis and nightmares. It's a spirit of an old woman who sits on the chests of her victims while they sleep, causing them to have difficulty breathing and entering a disturbing dream state, which sounds just a lot like sleep paralysis symptoms. You have the sort of tightness in the chest and you have the sort of feeling that a weight is on top of you. Also, if you have a feeling of a weight on your chest, like quick sidebar, um, that can be a symptom of carbon monoxide poisoning. So please be careful. But that's that's its own thing. So those are just some of the sort of worldwide variants on the boogeyman or bogeyman or just varying types thereof. There are I, before I hop into some like kind of general sighting and fun stuff, uh, there is also a really interesting theory on the origin on ghostlyactivities.com from 2017 that talks about the idea that in like a European story of a priest who was like a child killer essentially and was killed by the parents like was the community figured it out rallied around killed him and now his spirit kind of became the the boogeyman and the stories state that he died from the following reasons could be any of them could be all of them rasputin style buried alive in a shallow grave hung from a tree in a cemetery or town square burned alive oh my goodness he had it in front of his church and congregation that's pretty rough or locked away in the church's basement to starve to death it's a lot i'm laughing just because it's horrible yeah and then it just kind of covers a lot of the same thing you've we've already talked about like the ways it potentially shows up in 
stuffs them into a sack or it looks like the thing the child is most afraid of or there's all these sort of common variations. It changes its appearance based on your fears, which is very Pennywise, the dancing clown of it, as I said. Um, also, <laughs> I'm going to have a whole section for specific survival tips, but it is very funny that this section basically says, like, the best defense is a strong will. <laughs> Oh, that's nice. I mean, that's pretty on par with the literature that I've read. Yeah, parents can encourage their children to get better in life skills. Yikes. That's as children become more confident, their will increases in strength. It makes their fear of everyday challenges fade. Um, however, spending this much time is difficult to find in the busy modern world. Also, as you might expect, keep the lights on. Like, that's the other one. <laughs> and it sort of references to this sort of this appearance of boogeyman figures in popular culture something i have a sidebar for in a minute but you have this idea that it sort of appears in the imagery used for classic horror movie villains you have freddy krueger in the nightmare on elm street films you have michael myers in halloween you have slenderman like the slenderman from you know from creepy pasta mm-hmm. and you know from slenderman you know, from slenderman and the demon from the sinister franchise which is a smaller franchise of horror films that really leans into like boogeyman imagery and um, I like kind of iconography. I would like to hop over to before I get into some sightings. I would like to throw it back to the '90s. Only '90s kids remember. Hey, Alex, do you uh, did you ever watch a uh, Disney Channel original movie called "Don't Look Under the Bed"? I did not. No, I did not watch a whole lot of Disney Channel original movies. Um, mostly, I caught like Hocus Pocus, and that was about it. Okay, well, I would like to walk you through uh, one of the most buckwild Disney Channel original movies ever made, released well, in 1999. that is a bold claim. I know it is. But... Alex, I know it is. <laughs> so, this was released in October of 1999. This movie gave me many nightmares as a child, but I loved it. It was my favorite one. It was actually temporarily removed from circulation, I believe, for being too scary. Oh, interesting. And it is basically this student, like this high school girl, starts having all these weird things go wrong in her life and all these weird pranks going out down at her school and she keeps getting blamed for them and framed for them. And this mis- mysterious young man who's about her age appears to her and tells her that her life is being sabotaged by a boogeyman. And basically, <laughs> there's not really a better way to really describe this. It's just that a uh, Larry is revealed, Larry, this boy who tells her it's the boogeyman, is revealed to be her younger brother's imaginary friend, who she basically told her younger brother to stop believing in an imaginary friend. She's like, you're too old for that. You don't need that anymore. And so now he's like, I'm in trouble. You need to help me and I'm going to help you The boogeyman, because the boogeyman is after you. And I don't want to go too much into it because there's just too many weird layers to this. But essentially the reveal of the movie is when a child stops believing in their imaginary friend. They become a boogeyman? Yeah, they become corrupted and turn into a boogeyman. That's really interesting. That is a premise that was probably wasted on a Disney Channel original no, movie. It, like, that's really fascinating. It really is. And and there's a lot of, like, body horror as Larry begins to transform while he's trying to help Francis, the main character, like, track down the boogeyman who's trying to ruin her life. His nails start to get all long and scraggly and his eyes Wild. get all, like, milky and, like, his skin gets all sallow. And it's revealed in a line that, or in a line, in a scene that as a child did make me cry that the boogeyman that's been after Francis was her childhood imaginary friend Zoe who she stopped believing in because she was trying to grow up and she basically is like I didn't stop loving you just because I got older and Zoe turns back into herself and Larry goes back to normal and then they both leave to go like fight all the existing boogeymen and try to save them the two imaginary friends do and it leaves Francis telling her little brother basically that like 
you have to grow up, but it's okay to still believe in like childish things, even though you're an adult. That's really fascinating. It's like, it's like a really intense story for a Disney Channel original movie. That's like, yeah, no, I could spend, like, I could probably write several pages of essay on that. Oh, yeah. No, it is. It is a really intense premise. It's like some Jungian shadow self, like, yeah. interesting anima. Yeah, that's that's wild. That's like Jordan Peele wrote a Disney Channel original movie. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And definitely for a lengthy period of time was convinced I had imagined it somehow or that I was convinced that like I was misremembering the movie maybe. And so I looked it up today and I sat down and read the summary and went, oh my God, no, this is as wild as I remember it. <laughs> I love when that happens. I have to tell you, about, this is going to seem completely unrelated. Um, no, do it. And I'm going to describe it, and you're going to start laughing when you realize what the connection is. But as previously stated on this podcast, um, I am a substitute teacher. That is my day job. I do a lot of like long-term assignments where I'll work in the same class multiple times. That just tends to be the way it goes. Um, and I work specifically with elementary school kids. But yeah. actually, this entire semester, I've been working all at the same school just because they've had jobs for me like every day. And so it's been nice to like be part of the staff there. But I've worked a few times with, I guess this shows up in like the fourth grade curriculum specifically. Mm-hmm. And in like the fourth grade curriculum, they've been doing like a unit on economics. Okay. And so, which is cool. I never had an economics unit in fourth grade. I think that's awesome. Or maybe it was second grade. Anyway, like elementary schoolers are learning about the economy, which is important and awesome. But like the primary method of delivering this information is a late 80s, early 90s after school special series that like, I just looked it up to make sure that I wasn't imagining it from when I saw it like three days ago. But it re-aired on PBS in 2013 and all the videos are online if you want to find them. They are wild. Yeah. But it's called Econ and Me and it is, I kid you not, about a group of children who learn about the economy from their invisible friend named... (laughs) His name's like Jeremiah E. Connery or something. So he goes by Econ. And all I know is that in the finale of this series, not to spoil anything, but they do a rap, but they put on this whole show and it is like revealed in multiple instances that he is not like an imaginary friend. He is an invisible friend. As in when he moves things... (gasps) All the adults can see the things move. They just can't see this guy. Oh, my God. (laughs) Which is a frankly wild reveal. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, like, when you're talking about invisible things that are scary, I think the economy is a pretty big one. But I'm not sure that's the metaphor they were going for. I don't think it is. I also, like, really quickly, I just want to see what the imaginary... Oh, he doesn't have a... He doesn't have a Wikipedia page. I wanted to see if the uh, guy who plays the imaginary friend, uh, like, what else he's done. But I don't think he's done (laughs) other things. I also need you to know that, like, the way that the boogeyman, like, does, like, pranks to try to ruin this girl's life Mm -hmm. and stuff is, like, to, like, tag things with spray paint with, like, a letter B. Because, like, the boogeyman's, like... Because she's an overachiever and just can't... Anyway. Also, you need to know that Larry's full name, Larry, the imaginary friend of her younger brother, who is for some reason a cool and pretty cute uh, teenage boy, is named Larry Houdini. Okay. (laughs) And that is the cool imaginary friend. Also, in case you were wondering, uh, to add to the weirdness of this film, yes, at the end of the movie, before he and 
Zoe, the other imaginary friend, go off to like try to rid the world of boogeymen. He kisses the main character and they kiss. Um, and he's a teenage boy, yes, but he is her little brother's imaginary friend, and it is a yeah, little that's weird. a little wild. Um, I'm just gonna send you the video of their final performance from Econ and Me because it's frankly inspired. I'm very excited to sit down and watch this later. I would like to <laughs> carry on to some sightings, if I may. You may, yes. Thank you. So first, I would like to hop over to yourghoststories.com, which is a website for real ghost stories. This is under the subsection non-human entities, and this is titled The Boogeyman? Question mark. This is from 2013, written by its-pixie from South Africa. So I will read their story now. So this was when they were 13 years old, and they're 26 now. That was in 2013, so now they are in their 30s. Okay. I'll skip ahead a little bit. This is about waking up several times throughout the night and feeling like there was something in the room, Mm -hmm. seeing this little thing that looked like a garden gnome with yellow eyes, sharp teeth, and pointy fingers. Um, They ran to their dad's room, and dad was like, it's a bad dream. You're okay. And they slept in their parents' room the rest of the night. So then throughout the years... This thing kept appearing over and over again in their room. Now I'm going to read directly from the story. Whenever I saw the creature, I just covered my face with my duvet, prayed, and hoped I would fall asleep quickly. It seemed like it didn't like that I ignored it, and things got worse. I saw him sitting on my desk again. I just closed my eyes and covered my face. I knew he was still there. Then I felt him jump onto my bed. I didn't dare look. I've never been this scared in my life. I didn't dare look. I just laid there. I could feel him scratching my arm, and I screamed. My dad came and put the lights on and the creature was gone. I slept in my parents' room again. The next morning, I saw four scratches on my arm, but my parents said I must have done it in my sleep. I told a friend what was happening, and luckily he believed me. He told me this thing thrives on fear and that I should sleep with a Bible under my pillow and tell it to go away. I did that, but I could still feel him watching me sometimes, but I never saw him again. I was 16. This is when it got even creepier. I was doing much better. Two years had passed without any incident. I was 18 at the time. I stayed over at a friend's house and we slept in front of the TV. Her boyfriend screamed in the early hours. I woke up and I could feel the creature looking at us. I knew it was there. The boogeyman is here, her boyfriend screamed over and over again. I ran to put the lights on. And that's when her boyfriend told me about the creature, the same creature I saw when I was younger. I saw the small scratch marks on his arm, and that just freaked me out. I was trying to convince myself for so long that it wasn't real. Has anyone else seen anything like this before? What is it? I'm 26 now, and I haven't seen or felt it again since that night. I hate all of that. Yeah, real spooky. So there are a lot of very helpful people in the comments trying to sort of give advice, but it's not really anything I want to like linger on too heavily. Then I would like to hop over to an article that I found because it includes this like sighting, but it also pulled several other sightings that I wasn't able to find on their own. So I would like to hop over to uh, sightings.info, which is, as you might imagine, a compilation of sightings of things. I would think so. Yes. That's a fairly intuitive name. Thank you. This first one comes from True Ghost Tales, comes from a witness named Charmaine, who says this happened when she was seven. There was a creature that looked like a like, like gnome or dwarf with yellow teeth, red eyes, and sharp fingers. I tried to ignore it, but it wouldn't go away. I was so scared mm-hmm. to go to bed at night. It would appear each night when the lights were turned off and my parents were sleeping. They never believed me when I told them about the thing. After a few months, I ignored it, and it didn't like that. Common theme. He started to scratch the underside of my bed. I still ignored it. 
until one night that it jumped on my bed and scratched me. I screamed and my parents came, told me I had a bad dream. The next morning there were scratches on my arm. This continued for over six years. I got fed up with it and one night I looked it in the eyes and told it to go away and it did. So uh, let's see, where's the other one? Here we go. Oh, creepy, creepy, creepy. Uh, a guy from Reddit whose family moved into this large old wooden house that made him feel uncomfortable from the beginning. It was this creaky old kind of haunted feeling building. And he had a brush with something reminiscent of a boogeyman. One early evening, I came home and the house was still dark. I called out, Mom? This must be an English person. I'm not going to do an accent. And heard her sing-song voice say, Yes? From upstairs. I called her again as I climbed the stairs to see which room she was in and again got the same, Yes? Reply. We were decorating at the time and I didn't know my way around the maze of rooms, but she was in one of the far ones, right down the hall. I felt uneasy but I figured that was only natural, so I rushed forward to see my mom, knowing that her presence would calm my fears as a mother's presence does. Just as I reached for the handle of the door to let myself into the room, I heard the front door downstairs open and my mom call, Sweetie, are you home? In a cheery Uh, voice. I've read this creepypasta before. I hate this. I know, me too. (laughs) Oh, man. But I glanced back to the top of the stairs. The door to the room slowly opened a crack. For a brief moment, I saw something strange in there, and I don't know what it was, but it was staring at me. Oh, say, I've got another one? Yeah, do it. Go for it. Mess me up. You got it. About seven years old at the time, she was jolted awake by a pain in her ear. It was intense, so she got out of bed to tell her mom and her stepfather that something kept her from completing her journey to the room. As she crept through the living room, she saw something sitting in the dark in one of the chairs. She says, and this is direct quote now, The person looked strange, but it was dark and I couldn't see well. Mom? I asked. The person shook their head, and I started getting scared. Mike? The person shook their head again. I decided the best course of action would be to go back to bed so I wouldn't have to walk past this person. I climbed in bed and closed my eyes for a second, before opening them and seeing the person standing in my doorway, nodding furiously. I screamed at the top of my lungs and closed my eyes. My stepdad came running out of his room in his underwear with a baseball bat. There was nothing there, but the clothes my mom had folded and put on the chair were strewn across the living room. For the longest time, I told myself it was my cat sitting on the clothes. So... Let's see. One more. Here we go. Here we go. Um, It's not even always just the children who sees things. Some reports indicate that parents have stepped in to see something they were perhaps not meant to. One Reddit witness says that his two-year-old child would often wake up screaming uncontrollably and that when he went to provide comfort, his young son would simply babble, bad man, bad man. Oh, no. I know. I'm so sorry. Was this a regular human intruder or something else? Why was it there and where did it go? It is interesting to note that across so many cultures, we still get these stories of something mysterious terrorizing children. And it does make one wonder if this is all just a child's way to deal with the fear of the unknown or something more. Anyway, those are some of the sightings I found. I thought you might like that. And by that, I mean hate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I do enjoy being here for the experience, but that's about the most I can say for it. That's fair, and I understand. So I would like to have a couple more kind of spooky things to talk about about the Boogeyman before I hop into some, like, both kind of folklore like, 
old school survival tips and some actual genuine survival tips for like teaching children how to cope with fear. So mm-hmm. first I want to hop to some spooky things first. I want to talk about, this is a story I grew up hearing a little bit. There is a Southern United States kind of variant on the boogeyman. Are you familiar with Bloody Bones? No, I'm not. Okay. Um, this is, I wasn't sure how far up this extended because I definitely grew up hearing a little bit about Bloody Bones. Um, this is on a website called DeepSouthMag.com. This is written uh, by Aaron Z. Bass in October of 2014. And this is, oh, sorry, the blog is by Aaron Z. Bass. This post is a guest post by a Charleston-based historian named Scott Poole. So, This is about the fact that there is this regional ghost story, and this popped up when I was researching Boogeyman. That's why I wanted to include it, because there's not enough to, Mm -hmm. like, give this its own episode, but it is creepy. So there is this... (laughs) There are two creatures in the Carolinas and Georgia. That might be why I've heard of it and you have not. I think it's just in the Carolinas and like the Georgia, Alabama area. That would make sense. Two creatures that are sometimes imagined as parts of the same monster. One is a skull stripped of skin liable to bite called Rawhead. The other is a terrifying companion, a dancing headless skeleton called Bloody Bones. The story of Rawhead and Bloody Bones appears with a moral usually. There's like a gossip that like keeps ruining people's lives by making up stories and the monster comes and takes Mm -hmm. their head or there's this sort of like uh connecting it to the tradition of the haint which is a general term for a restless spirit that prowls at night looking for naughty children but um this particularly is traced back to an english story from 1566 in which an anglican minister warns that hell and the devil needs to be taken at least as seriously as grandmother's tale of bloody bone raw head and werewolves so there's no word on like necessarily where that came from but there's this little creepy little rhyme um from yorkshire i love a creepy little rhyme Mm -hmm. raw head and bloody bones steals naughty children from their homes takes them to his dirty den and they are never seen again sorry can you read that in your haunted victorian doll voice instead oh my god alex the people haven't heard this okay all right let me get into it (laughs) i lose my mind every time (laughs) raw head and bloody bones steals naughty children from their homes takes them to his dirty den, and they are never seen again. (laughs) Uh, I love her. (laughs) Thank you. She's perfect. That was the single funniest bit of that unreleased episode of footage. Oh, it's so good. I love being a haunted Victorian doll. And there's not a ton more specifically... (laughs) There's not a ton more specifically about Rawhead and Bloody Bones in this article. It just kind of goes a little bit more into kind of this... Inclusion of, like, the color blue used in um, Southern architectural architectural design traced back to, like, a lot of old beliefs that the that color of, like, cerulean blue wards off, like, dark magic. And then it kind of mm-hmm. goes a little bit more into that, which is very interesting, but not really what I want to talk about right now. But I just, it, when I researched Boogeyman, this little variant came up and I thought it was so creepy and fun. And I remembered growing up hearing about Bloody Bones <laughs> that I had to cover it so that all of you could be welcomed into my nightmare. (laughs) Love that. Love that. That's what a good close friendship is. Mm -hmm. And now, if 
you weren't already afraid enough of the boogeyman and you'd like to experience the boogeyman for yourself, you can go to reddit.com slash r slash three kings, a subreddit dedicated to rituals for summoning various spooky entities, and you can perform this recipe by user Sasuke478 for summoning the boogeyman. Okay, so I have to admit, I was about to say, why on earth would I do that? And then you read the screen name and I was like, okay. (laughs) Sasuke's back in. Sasuke478 says, this is how you do it. Now, apparently this is not their original creation. They found it on Wattpad, which I thought was just a website for fan fiction. (laughs) You're telling me someone named Sasuke (laughs) found a ritual on Wattpad. Were they searching for Naruto fix? I don't know. But I love that Wattpad has like slash fiction and like stories about like like YouTube stars in one slash direction. Self inserts and apparently um ritual summons. Dark rituals to summon demons. So apparently this is the risk and the reward, because there's risk versus reward with all of these. The reward is six months of unbelievable fortune and luck and also one wish. Uh, the risk is being dragged from your bed to an eternity of agony, never to return to this world. So, you know, it could go two ways. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like when you play the stock market. So you need to put on your sleep attire and do like your nighttime routine. It doesn't say do your skincare routine. I'm assuming you do your skincare routine. You do your mask, you do your serums, and then you turn out the lights and light your candles. You need candles. And then you, uh, by the way, you must perform this after 12 a.m. because that's when the boogeyman is most active. You need to carve the letter B into your three candles. This will let the boogeyman know you're calling out to him. So... (laughs) Go open your closet door by just a hair so you can barely see inside. Lay face up in your bed and put the blanket at your feet so it can easily and quickly be pulled up over yourself. The blanket will be your protection. Say the following words. Boogeyman, creator of fear, I am not afraid. Boogeyman, king of darkness, bring me the dark. Boogeyman, boogeyman, I invite you in. By the way, me reading this out loud is making me very nervous. It seems like (laughs) mostly this is just sort of flattering the boogeyman yeah i don't think there are many times the boogeyman gets called the king of darkness (laughs) no then you have to pull the blanket over you it must cover every inch of your body pro tip i recommend practicing this step for a few days beforehand (laughs) now do not move no matter how scared you get no matter how much noise you hear at this point the boogeyman is in your closet looking at you he is trying to scare you out of your blankets by making noises don't leave the blankets After 15 to 30 minutes have passed, the noises will have stopped and you will feel a large presence by your bed. Do not look. Say the following. Boogeyman, boogeyman, welcome to my home. I am not afraid. I welcome you here. So tell him your wish, then stay under the blankets and send the boogeyman on his way. And you say this to get him to leave. You say softly, boogeyman, boogeyman, mother is coming. What? (laughs) And you stay under your blankets for 30 seconds after that. After 30 seconds, you're free to emerge. Enjoy your rewards and good night. Now, if you become overwhelmed with fear and must end the ritual, do the following. Scream, mother, mother, I am afraid. The boogeyman will think someone is coming and he will leave. So I really enjoy the fact that the way you get rid of the boogeyman is to tell him your mom's coming. Yeah. It's like when you are a kid and you really don't want to do something, but you don't feel like just saying it. So you're like, my mom says I can't. Yeah, that's literally saying to the boogeyman, like, I'd love to go back to your hell dimension with you and be tortured for all eternity. But my mom says I can't. My mom says I can't is the thing. Yeah. So really She says I can't. We have company coming. 
Before I wrap this whole shebang up, I wanna cover some survival tips. So first of all, a more serious entry, like a more like uh, serious to the actual folklore of the boogeyman entry, which recommends doing things like hanging a horseshoe upside down over your doorway, which is a pretty classic like warding off evil spirits thing, mm-hmm. keeping a nightlight on. And then there's actually uh, on spacetimestudios.com in the forums, uh, dude, D-U-D-E-T-U-S, has written a little entry uh, called Guide, How to Deal with Boogeymen. Um, oh, nice. Very thoughtful. So this is actually really fun. Uh, one of the things is cut your bed's legs, like cut the legs off of your bed frame. It says boogeymen live under beds. How can they live under your Break bed? Break your bed's kneecaps. How can they live under your bed if there isn't any room for them to live? That's right. They can't. <laughs> uh, that it, well, they got me there. <laughs> I know. It says, I suggest sawing the legs off, but if your bed's legs are made from metal, you, sir or madam, have a problem. (laughs) So then also keep your lights on, which I mentioned already. They also say, if you can't keep your lights on due to electric bills, for the sake of your health, at least keep a flashlight under your pillow. (laughs) That's very practical. I like that. Yeah. Now, um, it says also a way to, and I think this was written very tongue in cheek, but like it does suggest that you leave out raw steaks for the boogeyman to distract it so it eats that instead of you. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and then also eventually you put rat poison on the steak after it get used, gets used oh to thinking <laughs> that you're a reliable food source. <laughs> so you're just supposed to like have a boogeyman steak budget for yeah. the bunch? Yeah, Alex. Aren't you budgeting for that? No, I'm not budgeting for anything. Fair. I'm 25. Please, my family is dying. All right. <laughs> so you considered spending less on candles? No. Okay. No. So I would like to now actually hop over to some genuine, like, real life, even if you don't have a boogeyman in your home advice. If you're a parent or you're a child or just a person who wants to kind of think about dealing with fear, especially teaching kids how to deal with fear, our littlerockfamily.com has a listicle called Six Ways to Help Your Kids Banish the Boogeyman. And this is by Heidi Smith Ledke, PhD, from October of 2014. And she basically use this to dive into how to help your kids deal with whatever they're afraid of, whether that's like... Aw, nice. Yeah. So this whole section is fight fears together. So here's some of the solutions. The Identify the issue. When your child comes to you for help with a fear, engage in some critical thinking. Questions like, why are you afraid of this spider? And have you been hurt by a spider in the past? Encourage your child to define their fear more clearly. Once they've defined their fear, they can start to question its legitimacy. Number two, teach kids to think twice. First, ask your child what worry is telling them about the situation, using a funny voice or a puppet to represent worry. Then, use their smarter mind to ask your child what they think will really happen. A worry might be saying, the sixth grade bully will toss me in the trash can, but your child's smarter side knows the trash can has a locked cover. (laughs) That's a really, that's an interesting example, but it's still a good sentiment. Also, (laughs) yeah, I'm not sure they know what a trash can is, but I do appreciate it. Fight scary with silly. Now, this one I love, and you can really apply to, like, boogeyman or monsters under the bed. Have your child draw a picture of the thing that scares them. Then do a goofy makeover on them, complete with, say, a ballet tutu and hair curlers. Or coach your child to imagine the monster slipping on a banana peel. This allows them to take charge of the fear and their imagination. Then practice self-soothing. Teach, like, breathing techniques. And so that one of those is to breathe slowly while counting to four in. And then 
breathe out while counting to seven. I've actually used that for anxiety before. It's a really good way to mm-hmm. sort of stop a panic attack in its tracks. Then there is uh, using a technique called systemic desensitization to approach the feared situation gradually. Make a simple drawing of a stairway from the side view and put your child's goal at the top. Then start at the bottom and write in steps from the least to the most threatening. For example, a child whose goal is to pet a dog might start by looking at pictures of dogs, visiting a pet (laughs) store or animal shelter, and letting a dog sniff their hand. And then, finally, be patient. Forcing kids to confront their fears when they aren't ready will only increase their anxiety. Talk about your own insecurities and model a courageous approach to the unknown. When your child feels overwhelmed, allow them to step back and observe the scary situation from a distance. Before long, they'll probably be ready to re-engage. And that's, there's a little bit, yeah, there's a little bit more about like teaching your kid to outsmart anxieties, have them write down facts about the feared situation to put it in perspective. So if they're afraid of thunderstorms, write down like thunder's loud, but it can't hurt me. I can keep myself safer by staying inside Mm -hmm. during the storm. And the odds of being struck by lightning are one in 700,000. So things like that. Anyway, it's not quite the same thing, but I really did want to, uh, really did want to talk about this. There are also, also it says something I've talked about before that scary stories allow kids to practice practice coping with fear from a safe emotional distance. These books confront fear, kids' fears head-on without inspiring nightmares. There are three book recommendations. The Dark Dark Night from 2008, which is about a fearful frog who mistakes his own shadow for a swamp monster. A not-scary story Same. about big, scary things, about a growling monster who begs a brave boy to believe in him in this silly story. And then Wemberly Worried by Kevin Henkes, about anxious kids will recognize themselves in Wemberly, a shy white mouse with lots of worries. Me too. And that's just, I wanted to, talking about childhood fears for over, like, for like an hour, I wanted to end on that note about addressing fear in that's children nice. and I yourself. Like that. Thank you. I stumbled across that as I was researching, and it came up when I searched genuinely looking for boogeyman survival tips, and then I found some actual life advice. Wholesome. It's really nice. Yeah, so thank you for joining me and letting me. I managed to pare my everything I wanted to cover down to like a specific outline for myself this time, so I didn't get too yeah, carried that's nice. away. Does the but prep help? I did. I generally just don't do any at all. I tend to do less, but I also knew this subject is so vast that if I let myself just kind yeah, of... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If I let myself just kind of come at it like fast and loose, that I would talk about it for hours and hours and hours, mm-hmm. or just not get to talk about any of the stuff I wanted to cover. So... That is the boogeyman. Well, that's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and it is scary, but it's important to remember that your fears at the end of the day, fears of the things that go bump in the night, and the boogeyman don't have any real power over you if you don't let them, things like that. You know what I mean? I say this as someone with an anxiety Mm -hmm. disorder. I've had to learn how to confront things that are not present threats and like learn to tell my brain and my body the difference between like a tiger is behind you about to eat you alive and like I'm worried about this fictional idea. I did used to, by the way, I'll admit this for the first time, I think, on this show in high school, I used to sleep with my bathroom light on. I had a bathroom attached to my bedroom and I and mm-hmm. I didn't want to have a nightlight because I was like, I'm 16, I'm not a baby, but I needed a light on or I was terrified and I would sleep with my bathroom light on and the door cracked just a little bit so there was enough light to kind of highlight the area where my closet was uh-huh. and like where my door was. And that was how I slept for a lot of my high school time. So, but hey, You didn't die. I didn't. And I'm no stranger to being scared of things that go bump in the night. That's all I wanted to say. But yeah, thank you for joining me as I talk about The Boogeyman. I've been wanting to do this episode for a really long time, and it was really exciting to finally do it. Well, I'm glad we got to be here. Thank you. Now, as we wrap up to the end here, do you have any final thoughts? I've given you my survival tips, but 
don't want to talk over you. About the boogeyman specifically? Yeah, or I mean, if you have other thoughts, <laughs> but... Yeah, well, no, I mean, I'm, I didn't know if that was your way of, like, transitioning into announcements or anything, or if you were just asking me to, like, st- stay in the episode zone a little bit longer. I want to kind of a wrap-up episode, from you. if you will. Oh, God, I won't. <laughs> Let me see. Anything else <laughs> I want to share? Gosh, I don't know. I guess... I got nothing. I was going to make some joke about Pride Month and closets, because you talked about the boogeyman, but... <laughs> I I don't have anything. I will ask you really quickly, if you don't mind sharing, did you ever have like an imagined like monster when you were a kid, like a like a supernatural thing you were scared of, like a ghost or something that you ever imagined? Because I made up my fair share uh, to scare myself with. Not like a specific thing, really. No, I mean, again, I I spent a lot of time as a kid, like backwoods camping. So I, Mm -hmm. you know, there were a lot of like scary things in the woods. Um that occasionally it would, it, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I knew I loved camping and every time I went, I was like, this is fine. And then I would get to nighttime and it would be like, oh, this is terrifying. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and then I would eventually fall asleep and then I would wake up in the morning and it would be fine. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't like a specific sort of totem of scariness that I had. I, I don't remember there being like a specific thing that freaked me out. I had a couple of specific recurring nightmares, but nothing that was like, a closet monster or whatever. That's fair. Um, but also, I, I wasn't an only child. So, like, when I was really young, I shared my bedroom with my sister, and it just wasn't. Right. So, you know, it's it's kind of a different psychology there. There wasn't That's ever this t- feeling yeah. of, like, the door being closed and me being totally on my own. Mm, okay, yeah. I can imagine that there's a huge difference if you have, if you've, like, shared a room. I'm an only child, and so I was always, like, mm-hmm. always sleeping right. by myself. And specifically, I remember the closet door in my childhood bedroom is not like a solid door. It has slats. Like it's a slatted door. Uh-huh. And I had this just horrible, and I, I talk about this sometimes. I have OCD, so it's very easy for me to get locked in sort of like cyclical, like into like a like a cycle of not being able to stop uh-huh. myself from thinking about an upsetting thing. So I would get like very locked into like repeatedly imagining like long white fingers creeping through the slats of the door. And I would just see that over and over and over again. And I was terrified of that. But anyway, that's its own thing. Yeah, that sounds awful. But no, I, um, again, I shared my room when I was, like, very young. And then at, like, roughly around the time that we stopped sharing a room, um, I had a dog. So, you know, I had a big golden retriever that mm. slept with me. So yeah, yeah. I didn't really, I, I never really had that innate sense of aloneness that, I mean, I felt very alone. I had undiagnosed depression as a child, but it, I didn't like, that wasn't a specific fear that I had. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. I just was curious. Uh, I wanted a chance to kind of hit on childhood stuff, being a kid and scared of the dark. What is this song? What is this? Um, but anyway. Yeah, no, even as a child, I was much more scared of the things that I knew existed than the ones I wasn't sure about. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Do you have any announcements? Um, you have some. I have some uh, Patreon donors to thank. I would like to extend a personal thank you. Patreon donors above a certain tier uh, receive live, or not live, recorded (laughs) on-air thank yous. They're live for us. They're live for us. I would like to thank Jasmine Newman. I would like to thank Mike Coyle. I would like to thank Jose DeLuna. And I would like to thank Hallie Watts. Thank you all so much for your support. And thank you to all of our donors and all of our everyone who listens and supports this show in any capacity. It means so much. I tweeted a thread about this this morning from our account, but I mean, you're the reason we can do any of the things that we're doing. Which, speaking of, live show, I am so sorry. Like, literally, friends, I am waiting on the venue to email me back. 
Like, that is it. I know some folks on the Discord, like, found an early launch ticket page early. I'm going to ask you that if you have found, like, if you found it and you already bought something, that's fine. You're not in trouble. But please do not go looking for that until we set the link out. Mm -hmm. I know that there's a chance you can probably access it through a back door, but like, please don't go looking for it. This is an honor system thing. I'm asking you not to until we can release it to everybody at the same time. It's an extremely limited number of tickets. And I, I just don't want anybody to get the drop on anybody else who hasn't found that yet. Mm -hmm. You know, because again, it's, it's just a, it's a very, very limited venue. We're trying to make sure that as many people as possible have the chance to even see it. It's possible it will take several weeks to sell out. I, I have no idea. We've never done this before. We have no clue what to anticipate. So we have no way of knowing if we booked a venue that's way too small or if we're not going to be able to fill up the seats or what have you. But we are so excited to be doing this. Mm -hmm. um, and we can't wait to see you, like everybody in Chicago, and to hang out with our friends at Campaign. It's going to be really, really, really fun. Absolutely. Um, if you have not listened yet to the Campaign podcast, you should go do that. Uh, I don't know what they're doing for the live show, but it's going to be a really, really fun time no matter what. And it is one of my current favorite podcasts. They're just fantastic people and hilarious to listen to and really amazing storytellers. So check it out. Check it out. All right. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, I hope I didn't give anyone nightmares today. And as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.